today's podcast. It is great to have you here on a Friday with a guest, a gr- another fantastic person in our community. And now she's added to the content and things she's doing with a book that can be very helpful for kids who could use some additional skills who might have been set back, and many have been, over the last two years of COVID. Um, before we have Tracy Perryman hop on, a couple of quick stories. Uh, the UT women lost, so unfortunately, um, with the MAC really only ever getting one bid into the NCAA tournament, they will not get an at-large selection, even though they had a very successful season. Um, the Lady Rockets will not be going to what I've been calling the big tournament. They'll get to another postseason tournament, perhaps is there a women's NIT, the National Invitation Tournament, but not the big one that we colloquially, colloquially call... March Madness. Uh, the men play later on. Another college note. I saw a headline last night on ESPN.com. Ohio State lineman Harry Miller to retire? And then I don't... It's very odd, unusual to see uh, those... The word retire used for a college player. In this case, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Harry Miller is medically retiring, and he cited his mental health um, during this story, I believe he showed off uh, some of the bruises he inflicted on himself from several suicide attempts. Just a tragic story. And in fact, uh, the interesting timing, Ryan Day was here the other day, um, downtown at the Seagate Center, I believe, to talk to scholar-athletes. And I was very happy to see in the story about his visit, one of the things he talked about was mental health. So... This obviously was very stigmatized, especially in professional athletes, especially in a sport like football where you're not supposed to show weakness. And uh, Harry was at the precipice of ending his life. He was there. He had made the, the decision to do that. But I'm, I'm glad he's still here. I would, I would encourage you to go read the statement he put out on Twitter at H underscore Miller 76. Um, he probably had a dream to be in the NFL one day. But it's amazing how your brain, especially when it's not working right, and then when you get it to work right, you realize how priorities have to change in your life. How dreams can be replaced with other things that are equally as important in your life. Money is very important in our life. Um, And we've we've heard the word inflation um, repeatedly every week, and it seems like a weekly statistic or a monthly statistic. Inflation is at the highest levels in 40 years, and gas prices. And I came across another thing today you might have heard of. You might have heard of shrinkflation. Are you familiar with that? The cost of your goods might not be going up, or if it is, it's just a couple of cents. It's manageable. But what you're buying, like we'll use a bag of chips for an example, as if there wasn't a lot of air in those things already. The price might be the same or just a few cents more, but there's less product in what you're buying. Um, Shrinkflation, all these buzzwords, including something I came across, and it looks like it was either, I think it was last summer from a blog I mentioned here on the podcast several times and great and get great links from and what I've modeled the new page I'm working on after. Oh, and that's ericchaseblog.wordpress.com. Tyler Cowen's Marginal Revolution. I think it was over the summertime. He uh, wrote something up about personal deflation. Um, this guy is a, a brilliant economist and I think he could sniff out that inflation was coming and going to hit us really hard. In fact, when I was getting gas today, Um, I was at the Circle K, and I thought from the time I pulled in to the time I put the pump into the tank, it went from $399 to 409 
because I think things like that have been happening. Now, granted, uh, it's actually like cash versus credit, but it didn't seem wild with the fluctuation, usually in the direction of going up for something like that to happen. But he offers some personal deflation ways. And these are things that we maybe would usually practice or it's like, yeah, duh, I know these things. Um, But in times like these, we really have to dive into them. Uh, Personal deflation. Um, and, And this is, I think, one thing to cut costs for entertainment. He suggested get a dog. There could be some high upfront costs for adoption or buying a dog. Adopt, please. Um, taking the dog to the vet, getting medications and everything. It could cost several hundred dollars. But instead of maybe you could cut back on your gym membership now. Get a, get a lower gym membership. Get rid of your Peloton membership. I know they're working on things. And now um, your activity is with the dog. What were some of the others? Oh, I honor my mom. And maybe in the past, even myself, like you've just kind of scoffed at this or just said, nah, only, only old, only old people do that. Only Eric's mom does that. Um, coupon, couponing and refunding. Um, you may or may not get a Sunday paper delivered. I get a Sunday paper delivered maybe because it's, it's something with the condo association, but there's a Sunday paper every week. You'll be damn sure. Um, and thankfully, my money is good. You'll be damn sure that I'm gonna op- I'm not gonna toss that paper, and I'm gonna look through the coupons and cut them out and see if there's any of them that I can use. And look, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But now we have to do these things to offset these price increases, which are literally everywhere. Couponing, refunding, and just small ways. In the same way that the gas is a big chunk, but. Some food here, a couple of items there, something else there, maybe rent, whatever it is. All these costs together added up are a lot. So we have to work in little ways to offset some of those things. And, you know, what I've got to do is, and I've told myself this, Eric, every time you go to, um, sometimes I don't want the same coffee every day. So every time, and yesterday I had a meeting at SIP, or it was just better for how I started my day. But that 215 um, the 2.95 when I didn't want the same coffee every day, and I went to Starbucks instead. I wanted to sit at Starbucks as opposed to where I would normally go. Or when I wake up at 5 a.m. and get uh, Tim Hortons, and that's 2.25. That's all coffee I don't have to be paying for because I already pay eight dollars a month or nine dollars a month for my Panera subscription. So while I might not want to sit in Panera or have their coffee that day, three dollars over here for Starbucks, 2.25 there. So it adds up. And I've got to be mindful of that. Again, I'm not trying to be profound or provocative or tell you anything that you don't already know. I'm just reminding you to implement some of these things so we can keep some of these rising prices and money in our pocket. Um, She is another incredible person in our community. Um, And I'm excited to have her on the podcast today. Tracy Perryman is someone who has been on before. Um, She's got a new book called Elevate. And it aims aims to help kids uh, kids of color who have not had such a head start as others, maybe in suburban schools, have. She made the jump to write a book called Elevate to talk about the after school program that I hope kept hope will catch your interest. But she is the founder and CEO of Center of Hope Family Services. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Tracy Perryman here. It's and I I mean this 
Absolutely, literally. It's great to see you again. It's been some time. Likewise, Eric. Um, good to see you. Thanks for taking the visit. Um, I'm sure you was my email a surprise a couple of weeks ago when I said, "Is this your dad's editorial?" Yes, it was. That's my father, Doctor Donald Perryman. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Perryman name is a great name in our community. Um, you're the director of the Center of Hope and Family Services. Before we talk about the book, can I? ask you to share a little bit what that is? Absolutely. So Center of Hope Family Services is a local nonprofit that um, is tasked with helping people improve life outcomes by eliminating barriers and also elevating hope by positioning them for success. And so Center of Hope uh, actually came out of our church, which was founded, this will be our 25th year anniversary. Congrats. And I actually named Center of Hope. And so I'm homegrown from Toledo, uh, went away to school, graduated from the University of Michigan and Ohio State, and then came back to figure out how I could improve the, co- the community that raised me. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank you for all you and your family do. Um, is this is Elevate your first book? Yes, this is my first public published book. Congratulations. Uh, found some found some productivity over the last couple of years. Um, not that you weren't already, but um Elevate is to help kids, maybe even the playing field, get them where they need to be. Because I know yours is a focus on kids and maybe, what do we want to call these? I don't want to misspeak at all. Um, Definitely kids of color. Yes. And I think COVID brought to light a lot of the disparities that people like me were already seeing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has fueled um, my work at Center of Hope and ultimately my life's work is looking at these children and seeing that the difference is not in terms of their ability. It is almost always access to opportunity. And understanding that children of color, oftentimes the communities they come from are reflective of a certain ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. That does not have all of the resources they need to be successful, especially when you compare them to their suburban counterparts. And so one of the challenges in working in urban communities is first accessing the resources to be able to support programs like Elevate, but also making sure that the programs that enter those communities are of the same quality as Elevate. Tell me a little bit about Elevate. I know there's these are proven things that have caught kids up. Um, and one thing that we often like to talk about on the podcast with people that visit, we're, we're big believers that, to your point, uh, your zip code means everything. It means so much. It depends. It tells you how much of a head start or how far behind you're going to be. You just spoke about that where these kids come out of certain communities and they've, they're have they already set behind. Um, we've lost two years. Everybody's lost two years. Yes. Kids so, met, so much. And that's even that's exacerbated with the communities you just spoke about. What are some of the practices that help these kids? Um, I know you talk it's academically, but also emotionally and psychologically as well. Absolutely. So one thing that we acknowledge is that uh, teacher prep programs do not prepare teachers for an urban experience, right? And so I will break that down a little further. How do you engage children of color How do you engage children in underserved communities? Their experience is different. So the books that you select for them and the lesson plans need to be reflective of what they are familiar with. When you can start with what they're familiar with and what resonates with them, then it's much easier to build the bridge between what they experience and what they need to know to pass standardized tests. So that's really what we've done. Um, We've made sure that when we reach them, the topics that we discuss are representative of their experience and what they're going through. A lot of times a child that's coming to school who doesn't have 
all of the resources that they perceive their middle income teacher has, mm-hmm. it's already wondering, am I really accepted here? Do I really fit here? How, how does this teacher feel about me? So oftentimes that's where the breakdown starts. And so we have to make sure that in how we communicate with these children, how we teach them that we're making sure that they understand that they're valued as a person, just like if I was going to the suburbs. And that's one of the reasons, one of the fuels behind the work that I do. I want to make sure that the kids that come from urban communities have access to the same quality that I would provide in the suburbs. You you just held a mirror up to me with, or we can call it a big bright spotlight, something that I never considered before. We're, we're well, well aware that um, that Scott High School was different from Perrysburg High School. But to, to what you just mentioned, and again, you've opened my eyes with this, I've never considered this. Um, the people who are learning how to educate these students, it's one size fits all. And that can be a challenge. Right. Um, and I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing with the book and so much more. The book is out now on Amazon, right? Elevate? It sure is. Yes. Yes. What, what inspired you? Was it just things were down, uh, things were different, and you needed to do something yourself to make the best use of the time during the pandemic? And you're like, this is the time to write the book. This is the time to put another piece of content out there. <laughs> what was the inspiration? What was the uh, the kick in the butt, the, the light bulb above the head where you're like, I'm going to do this? So actually, virtual learning <laughs> and uh, COVID was the impetus because we had to transfer from an in-person experience to a virtual experience pretty much in a few days, right? And so it was very clear that if we were going to engage our kids and keep them engaged, we needed to bring in veteran um, instructors to keep their interest. This was not something for someone who hadn't been doing it for a little while. So um, we had a lot of different courses. Actually, Willetta Perryman, our chief program officer, wrote a cooking, uh, a parent-child cooking curriculum, which she implemented. And then in terms of the literacy and the social-emotional development infused, I decided to teach it myself. If I go, if I if I'm one of these kids who is fortunate enough to be a part of this after school program, um, what are some of the things cooking? What are some of the things that I'm going to learn? What how will I be educated differently from maybe a normal school day going through this program? Absolutely. So uh, to kind of expand on to answer your question, expand on the virtual piece. So we needed people who were skilled in connecting, and so I do have three behavioral science degrees, right? So taking some of those skills that I learned in grad school. So help me keep the kids engaged on camera, but also building content that I knew that would resonate with them. So over the year of the first year of COVID, I was able to teach myself, use those insights, go back and grab my doctoral research, which had been sitting unused and say, hey, if we had to come up with a curriculum for a virtual experience and something that we could train across, somebody else needs it too. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I decided to take all of that research that I had done nothing with for five years and write a book. Um, so to answer your question about what would children receive? So first of all, they receive healthy, nutritious meals. That's the first thing we do. They receive a warm reception from each facilitator saying that you're wanted here. We check in during meals. That's when we talk about their day. Help them informally with um, problem-solving skills, connect with them. And then there are three zones. So the Elevate curriculum is one zone. Homework help is one zone. And then we have a computer-based tutoring software that's individually based for each child. Um, So Elevate is one one enrichment model, one, one day a week. Cooking is one. Interpretive dance is one. And theater is another. Who is the person that you 
think would find the most value in going through the book? Is it is it maybe would kids might want to look at it? Would parents? Would teachers? Who's the optimal person who can get the most from it? So I would say first and foremost, social service providers who are funded to do after school programming. Um, in the field, it's well known that it's hard to measure results, even though we know the value. We know children don't need to be at home unsupervised. But how to get the most value for the funds that you're given? Um, government. Those who are making decisions about who should be administering after-school programs. This is what it should look like. Uh, grant uh, makers should read the book. Teachers definitely can read the book as well because it will give them some extra insight on how to hone in specifically on children of color. And can also kind of spark their creativity. A lot of times when we've been doing this so long. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to stay creative. And frankly, you don't have time. So I know if I was a teacher to have a prescriptive curriculum that was ready for me and all I had to do was tailor it to the needs of my classroom, I would love that. Um, parents who uh, want to know what works best for their children definitely should pick it up and read it. Um, can What can the average person maybe take from it because we've all been through the ringer for the last two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will keep saying it till I'm blue in the face and maybe it irritates some people, but the, 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 the COVID silver lining has been so many more people have been awakened to taking care of their mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, people are leaving jobs for a better, a better balance in their life. People are realizing, um, priorities and, and taking care of what's in between the ears is paramount because if, if the brain's not working right, if the heart and the emotions aren't working right, you're not going to be able to do anything else. Absolutely. Um, what can someone take from this or what can you offer with these many degrees and <laughs> your emotion, your high emotional IQ? What can, what's your insight that you've, you've heard yourself saying a lot over the last couple of years that maybe had some influence on the book? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I have a niece uh, who lives in Michigan and I visit her school um, when I'm able and communicate with her school leadership when I'm able. One thing that I can say to the average person is school climate and the culture of a classroom is very important. So this gives the um, everyday person a lens into what a classroom should look like, regardless of the racial or cultural heritage of the child. And we'll be following up with a second book, too. Great. Um, on that. But really seeing, like, how do you foster healthy kids? So actually, any person can read it. And the way it's laid out, looking at individual identity to group identity, like how do we feel good about our community? How do we participate in a community and cooperate? And then how do we contribute to a community? How do we foster our personal creativity, right? And then how do we um, plan for the future, and how do we elevate hope? So those themes are themes that can be carried into a household, into a youth group, into a classroom, into an after-school program, and really precepts for adults as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can't function well in a community until you feel good about yourself. A thousand right? percent. Thousand and then percent. if you you can value your community, but you still need to know the more as, as to how to set the rules of cooperation, right? And then again, we always need more people who are going to take all of those principles and actually do something to make a difference. And then once you decide how to make a difference, how? What What am I good at? Yes. <laughs> That's a part of creativity, right? And then also, how do we build on that for the future? And how do we stay um, empowered and hopeful when things don't go our way? Yeah. It's been two painful years for, for a lot of people. Some people yes. could have used those words during the course of this. And I hope some people, I'm sure you've influenced many people and helped many people because uh, there are very few people who are 
in better shape, maybe mentally or even physically, uh, two years ago to now. I, uh, I got the chance to speak to some Perrysburg High School teachers um, in a personal development day about a month or so ago. And I said, if any of you were in a better place than you were uh, now than then, you wouldn't be sitting here in this session right now. So I'm glad that people have their their radar up to help others in and outside of their community, p- people that don't look like them. So thank you for putting this content out there to educate people who might be unfamiliar with certain situations. We get stuck, I think you alluded to a little bit, we get stuck in our own silos and our own rhythms and we're part of a larger community. Um, is this... Is there a virtual aspect to the after-school program? Is it all in person? How are some of the dynamics and the the, the mechanics of it working? So now we're fully in person. However, um, there is a hybrid. Some instructors, like for cooking classes, that would be virtual. But we have instructors in the room with the children and and, and all of that. But we do have a a 30-week curriculum where we can go into a community and consult them on how to develop Elevate Out over 30 weeks five days a week and we can consult and coach on how they can do it in a virtual speak uh a virtual space as well but those are things would be above and beyond the book but they can contact us online and we'll come in and help them get started so who who and how do you help uh someone's listening to this this podcast right now a parent a teacher just an adult and thinking this is exactly what I, I want for my kid to have as an after-school experience. We have also talked a great deal on the podcast um, with the increase in in violence over the last couple of years, in gun violence. We've got to keep these kids busy. And we might not be able to keep um, the murder or the crime two days from now. We might not be able to prevent that, but we can prevent the things two years from now by putting these fundamentals in place. So how can somebody connect with this program or start it or bring you in or say, I've got six or seven kids and I want to I want to do this. I'm going to give them this program. So if you go to our website, cohfs.org, and then uh, go to products and services, you can find us and we can follow up. And so what I would do is come in, we do a series of trainings first on the overview of Elevate, what it means, right? Um, Conceptually, what is the framework? And then we can work with communities based upon those seven themes and actually help them come up with a prescriptive lesson plan for every week. So they would leave with 30 weeks of content and within certain days they would handle, they would address the reading one day, arts one day and then the social emotional development set up in the theme for the week so that's three weeks worth three days worth of content and then what we like to see is to give them kind of a rest day um for you know other activities they might want to do and then an intramurals on friday is what we like to see because then that gives them time to play sports and be active and tend to their physical health i was going to ask if there is a physical aspect to, to this so kids can burn off some energy Absolutely. We provide 30 minutes of free recreation every day. You know, they play how they want to. But we like to do on Fridays is intramural Fridays where they have to do team sports, where they have to learn cooperation and structure. Yeah. Um, you can learn a lot from sports. Yes. Um, what uh, What's the timeline for like like an afternoon? How long does it last? Uh, ours lasts three hours. So by the time you feed, you include recreation, you include homework help or some sort of intervention and the component of Elevate, you're at three hours. What's the website one more time? C-O-H-F-S.org. So it's the acronym for Center of Hope Family Services. And the book is available now on Amazon. We can just look up your name. That would probably Yeah, Tracy work. Perryman, uh, Elevating Futures. And then I believe on Center of Hope's website under products, you probably can find a link to Excellent. Amazon as well. Um, 
wrapping up here, what what was it like writing a book? I have some friends who have done it and some who have said it's been such a bear of a task, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. What was the book writing experience like? It was therapeutic for me. Was it? Good. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you collect a lot of research when you're in a doctoral program and, you know, I'm just glad that all of that work that I did now has an outlet. And so after doing the research and actually implementing it, Really, it was just telling our story. So mm-hmm. it was very, it was, it was very therapeutic. I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed being creative. So for me, it was not hard at all. Has creativity, if I may get a little personal here, um, and this is why I'm so glad to have you back in studio rather than the virtual way of as we mm-hmm. recorded before. Um, the last couple of years, how has how has Tracy managed? What creative outlets did you find? What which ones might have been taken away from you? but you found new ones so that you could be in a good mental health space. Okay, so um, I guess out of my, what we call nine to five, I am a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, and a producer. So um, live events pretty much came to a crashing halt, mm-hmm. right? So um, during that time, it caused me to have to increase my skills. So I had to invest in a studio in my home, Um I worked on recorded music for my home. I did light engineering of my own vocals and so so I continued to write number one. Um, I have a really strong family support system, so lonesomeness was certainly not the issue. It was just figuring out first of all how to get my children, my elevate students engaged in education. That was the biggest stress level. Right. But personally, yeah, not being able to perform live was was a little bit um, discouraging. Um, I do other. Um, Things related to, you know, my spiritual life. And so I had to invest in studio space to continue to do that. But not being able to connect with people that I was used to seeing every Sunday yeah. was a lot. Sure. Did you, I think you might have answered the question, but I'll, I'll ask it directly. Did you pick up any new skills or talents that were unexpected over the course of being your own studio engineer now, perhaps? Yeah, that was definitely a new talent. And then um, working on my first quasi live uh, performance just happened yesterday. So I got a call from the National Council of Teachers of English, uh, the Four Seas Convention, uh, which is for thousands. And they said, you know, normally we do an in-person performance, um, but we want it virtual this year. So I had to learn the skill of producing live shows and virtual shows. So I was able to pick up that skill as well. Um, it's been a painful two years for a lot of people. Um, I, I like to, I've said all along that, um, as, as you mentioned in the quotes from, uh, James Moore, um, at Ohio state, it made the good better. It made the bad worse in a lot of cases and and pulled some pretty ugly things out, but now we can work on them. Some of us have new talents. You've offered a way to help kids who might've fallen behind or as as you might have just learned in this, they were already behind. So thanks for doing everything that you do for here in our community and for getting the book out there and helping teachers and educators and parents because we've heard it our entire lives. It's it's about the kids. The kids have to come along and be taught and have the fundamentals so they can be us and do the good things in the community. Absolutely. Thanks for all you do. Um, one last fun question. What's your favorite Toledo restaurant? Oh, goodness. Uh, Cooper's <laughs> Hawk. Well, yes. I, you know, Chop Hawk House was... But Cooper's Hawk is so easily accessible. It's easy to park. Mm-hmm. The food is amazing. Um, the truffles are amazing. The wine is amazing. And the service is amazing. So that's kind of been my spot lately. Yeah, it's been a, a, a welcome addition. Um, I 
I saw how excited people were to have it here. And people were like, you're really going to love this place. I'm like, ah, I've kind of lost my wine taste and I got it back. And it's <laughs> such a cool place. I had no idea what I was going into when I got invited to go out. How the front house is a wine bar. Yep. And then there's two restaurant sections in the back with a bar and lots of delicious food. And as you said, wine as well. Good spot. Thanks for the time. Great to see you again. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity and the invitation.